Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Uh, today I have on the phone with me Lynn Faulkner. Uh, she's the executive director of the Kentucky Association of Master Contractors. How are you doing this morning, Lynn? Oh, staying warm, doing all right. <laughs> I hear you, I hear um, So, well, uh, you know, rather than me introduce you and because uh, uh, I wouldn't do a very good job, Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your organization. Uh, I am a lifelong Frankfurtonian. Uh, I am a mother of four and a fur baby. Uh, I am the president of the National Women in Construction chapter here in Kentucky. I have been a member. Uh, an employee of the KAMC for 14 years, and I've been the executive director for five. Um, I am on the board of the Chamber of Commerce as the education director here in Franklin County, and I earned my CAE in 2019, which is the certificate of association or certification of association executives. It's like getting your master's in association work. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you see, you have four kids, so you probably used to work with a lot of construction guys. Uh, <laughs> no uh, doubt, they're all they're all grown and gone, so that's I good. <laughs> well, um, so uh, tell us about uh, your organization. Uh, you know, because uh, to be honest with you, it's it's kind of uh, I won't say it's new to me, but I don't know a lot about it, and I'm sure my listeners our listeners want to know more about it. Sure, sure. Um, uh, the KAMC was originally the Kentucky Association of Plumbing, Heating, Cooling Contractors. Um, they were established, they're one of the oldest associations in the state of Kentucky. They were established in 1884. And um, they're, uh, we, they, we are um, mainly plumbing and HVAC contractors throughout the mm -hmm. state of Kentucky. And our mission is to inform, advocate, and represent and protect the business and professional interest of our members and the health of the state of Kentucky. Interesting, interesting. Well, I'm interested to hear some, you know, some of my questions. I'm interested to hear uh, kind of like, uh, you know, some background, some from your, you guys' perspective. So, so, um, so tell us about, you know, if you had to pick up an event, you know, or a, a situation that kind of formed the business model that you guys have today. I hate to use business model because it's really not. Well, we're all we're all no no matter if we're nonprofit or not, we're all not for loss, you know. Amen. So, Amen, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Even if so, we're not for profit, we're for profit. I know. I know. And uh, so t tell us a little bit about. You know, when I think of significant events, I, you know, most recently, obviously, what we're going through now with COVID, can you talk about COVID and can you talk about some things that have happened in the past that you think have kind of shaped your organization? Well, um, as far as COVID's concerned, you obviously are in the construction world as well. I mean, construction service um, for your, your plumbing and HVAC needs, new construction it never stopped. I mean, it, if if anything, it probably doubled in business just purely because everybody was home and they were using their heating and air and their plumbing and, you know, everybody was locked down literally. And so that 
in itself was a challenge from you know for for the membership just trying to figure out how to navigate doing a service call to your house if you had a stopped up toilet or a sink or you know if you had problems with your um, HVAC or your plum you know your heat so trying to navigate the how to protect your employees but provide the service that your company was there for was a challenge in itself. I learned more about PPP in about three weeks than I ever want to know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, and then, you know, everybody's wearing their M90 masks to the grocery store and I just wanted to walk up and ask them if they'd like to sell those to the people that could really use them instead of them wandering around Kroger in them. So, um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, it, it, it's definitely been a challenge. Um, I think the contractors have uh, have have shown their true professional professionalism that way. Uh-huh. Um, I would think that some of the things that have really taken note as far as um, the construction world in general is just, um, you know, the 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 challenge of trying to find employees has gone from 20, 20 plus years ago where, you know, pretty much everyone that couldn't get into college air quote, you know, or didn't want to go, Oh, well you, you should go into the construction world. That's something you can do. And I always have heartburn with that because if you walk into anybody's house, business, whatever, they've got, they want their HVAC controlled on their phone so they can look at it when they look at their ring to make sure that their dog went out or whatever. And, you know, they want, they want their HVAC hooked up so they can look at it. They want their uh, water heater, you know, monitored by the valves if it's taken on too much water or if you have rental property and you have those smart valves that are hooked up and all of a sudden you get a lot of water pull and it's smart enough to turn it off. I mean, you can't be the person in the class that shows up for 10 minutes and doesn't know how to add or do, you know, these this system have evolved and things are much more high tech and you can't just skate through class and get a D plus and get out of high school and then think you're going to be a you know a contractor. It, isn't that the truth? I mean, life has changed uh, tremendously. If in some ways for the better, in some ways it's questionable. <laughs> but, <laughs> I would I would completely agree with that. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so, um, you know, you've been around there for a while. Have you seen anything else besides COVID that's really, I mean, obviously the labor thing has been an issue for a time, for a long time. It's just, it's just very apparent to everybody now, you know? Um, yes. Yes. I, I think you're right. The, the, the pandemic has really put a focus on how, how hard it is to get you know, people to come to your house, I tell everybody that I know, you know, they're, they always ask me, what's, what's one thing that I need to really uh, focus on, you know, with, um, you know, the, with contracting, and I always tell them, you know, if you've got a good plumber or a good HVAC guy, you better hold on to them with two hands, because in the next 10 years, when the average age of the contractor is 50 years old, 50 plus, and um, 
you need your HVAC equipment repaired or you need uh, your toilet fixed or what have you, um, you're going to get in line and you think you pay a lot now, you wait, you wait five more years. Yeah, no joke. I mean, yeah. You know, as so, far as, you, you know, it, the HVAC business, you know, you, you kind of alluded to this a little bit. You know, is it technology has been, been one of the big game changers for that business or has it been other things? No, I think I, I think it's just the progression everybody's gotten to. Everybody has the smart doorbells and you got smartphones and you can, you know, you can do 90 things from your phone without getting out of your chair. You can see who's if your package got delivered, you know, whatever. But um, HVAC and as and on that same note plumbing they've all stepped in and embraced the new technologies i mean 10 years ago if somebody told you that you could get a wi-fi enabled um ability um smart valve on your house that would tell you if all of a sudden you went from 100 gallons to 300 gallons that you've got a leak and it would turn it off until you towed it to do something otherwise i mean would you ever have thought that would no, you have no, ever no. would you have ever thought that you could look on your device and see what the temperature in your house is and you're getting ready to come home and you want to turn it up five degrees so when you get home it's nice and warm i mean this stuff is you know jetson's kind of type stuff if you're old enough to remember that cartoon so well, well i remember having to manually program on the thermostat when it yes. comes on it goes off you know what's exactly you know? And, and you uh, thought that was cutting edge and, and you know <laughs> we all thought that was cutting edge so i mean it's just amazing the amount of technology that has moved into these companies so how are you as an organization? Obviously, you bring all these together, and you, um, I take it one of your duties is is probably lobbying for your, you know, constituents. Constituents, you know, um, how are you guys planning for the future? What do you guys see in the future? And uh, I, one of the questions I have, a big question, is how do you think we're going to navigate this this labor shortage, or what are you guys thinking along those lines? we've been we have been actively working on the labor shortage for the entire time i've worked for the association probably probably five years prior to that we've always done career fairs and job fairs and gone to schools and talked to anybody that would stand still but you know we're we're just now starting to turn the tide just a little bit and i think it's and i think it has a lot to do with everybody that was pushed. If you didn't go to college, you weren't going to be anybody. You know, that that mindset got set. Then that generation had kids and then they discovered how much debt they had after they went to four years college. And then they got out and got a job that may or may not have been the the salary range that they anticipated. And they had all this debt. Well, when their kids have started looking at colleges, I think the tide is turned to the you can go into the construction field be a light you know start off right out of high school there is so much education out there that you can receive if you just take five minutes to look 
and most every contractor, if, if you will show up and do your job, they are more than happy to either pay for you to go to a class or go to a school or they will co, you know, work with you and pay part of it. So there's there's so much education out there that you can get trained. You can get certifications out the nose. You obviously can get licensing, journeyman, HVAC, plumbing, masters. You can get medical gas because you have to have a medical gas license to uh -huh. work on all these dentist offices and all these hospitals and outpatients. I mean, there's there are so many niches that you can do that that will propel you not only financially but professionally i mean i've got contractors that literally only do medical gas i've got contractors that only do turnovers at um strip malls they go in and strip all the innards out of them if you will and put in all new plumbing and hvac and reset them to whatever they want there's so many things and when I go to the high schools and talk to these young men and women and I say, you know, you ought to think about being coming into HVAC plumbing construction world. And the first thing they say to me is, oh, I don't want to be a plumber. I don't want to deal with all that, you know, that, and then they make that face like I don't want to touch anything. <laughs> and then I explain to them that, you know, that's one that's one very path to, you know, plumbing and HVAC. But then there's new construction where you never touch any of that stuff. There's, you know, and then I go into my mantra of, you know, all the different things you can do. And, you know, um, I, since I'm a woman in construction um, and I am the president of our NAWIC, our National Women in Construction uh, Organization here in Central Kentucky, um, we push a lot of females to think seriously about going in the construction world. I mean, women are very focused on um on details and in construction details is a big thing so um women um i've met a lot of contractors that have um you know larger comp companies that will have an entire team of women to go in and do the punch list because they know that they will do it they will do it right they will make sure it's right and you know i've got I know a couple of HVAC and plumbing companies that are owned by women and, and a lot of, uh, they have a lot of ba business base from single older women that feel more comfortable with a woman contractor coming into their house. So there's a, there's a huge wide variety of things that you can do in the construction. You don't have to be out there turning a wrench or, you know, carrying wood to be in the construction companies. I mean, you need, you need planners, you need orderers, you need bidder, job bidders. I mean, there's a, a huge facet of that. Well, you know what's so funny is when my grandfather, because my grandfather was a carpenter, when uh, when he became a journeyman carpenter, it was really looked as, even though it's a blue collar job, it was looked at more in a more prestigious way, more of like a white collar job that, that people view today. And then uh, somewhere along the way, uh, we lost that. Uh, we were sold a better bill of goods, you know. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. But uh, you know, and I've had students that you know go through uh, a program in Eastern, and when they graduate, they go into the trades, and people are like, "Well, why? Why would you 
go get a degree to go in the trades and uh, the simple response is, is that you know at least the young men and women I've talked to it's been a matter of well I wanted the college experience you know and I do I do think there's some good things you can get for that but let's be real here it's probably a lot to do with the bill of goods that they said you you know want football on Saturday and want to wear the jersey you know um or wear a t-shirt that's just cool and mom and dad wanted wanted them to go to college and they may or you know their parents may not have gone to college and that's the dream and so you kind of get the same you know you get the same outcome they get the college experience parents get a college graduate and they go into construction and let's face it if you want to if you want to be a leader in the construction world and run big jobs be the foreman you know you need that education you need to know how to manage people and you know that's something that obviously you can learn if you're you know get into it at a young age you can you can learn that but there's nothing wrong with that college education i'm not trying to throw any kind of water on that i think it's great if that's what you want to do well it's great if you want to throw you know 40 grand out the window <laughs> so, well but, this is true this is very true you yeah, know i should yeah. i shouldn't say out the window i'm a professor i'm ah. a former professor but but uh but uh the, the the truth of the matter is it is universities have a have a, a really good lockdown on that you know 18 to i would even say go to 24 25 year old uh person because all their friends are going to school and uh, oh yeah i mean you got to give them credit they have marketed the the devil out of it we're we are slow to come to the game and that's a that's a that's another challenge that that we have trying to fight i mean it's tough to be sell a kid you know on uofl university of kentucky is pushing them to come and be a wildcat you know be a cardinal and you're like hey you know come to to my trade school that lasts you know eight months nine months and and we'll get you out there working in the construction field it's it's hard to compete with that and, and you know, and it shouldn't be because if you look at the average rate for the trades you s- simply said there, I mean, and it's it's I think that maybe it's a it's a misunderstanding of what they actually do, you know, um, and uh, I mean they make a lot of money, they get to do a lot of things, they have a lot of freedom. I mean, I know some HVAC techs that just go in and many times don't even have to go to the office, pick up their truck and just go out and do their thing. You want to talk about autonomy, there you go, you know? Oh, and you know, that's one of the things that I try to get into it with these younger generation is, you know, you come to work for a HVAC or plumbing company. Um, You work for them for two years, you get your journeyman's license. That journeyman license opens up the keys that you get company cars that you can drive home cell phones that are paid for, health insurance that's paid for, you know, not that they're not getting it prior to that, but there's a lot of perks once you start climbing the ladder in your companies. I've got, I've got members that have, um, you know, started in their working in the companies that they own now that they have bought. They've got planes and Corvettes and, you know, Maseratis and they have a house in Florida and, you know, a house in Colorado and, you know, there is a lot of money to be made and there's a lot of flexibility with these jobs, especially, you know, even if you didn't want to own your own company, you don't want to deal with that. There's a lot of money to be made out here. I mean, and it doesn't take any time 
for an 18-year-old high school graduate that has some get up and go and some work ethic in two years, it wouldn't surprise me if they're making $30 an hour driving a company truck and getting all the perks and benefits you can sing a, swing a stick at. So what do you think uh, the future lies for your organization and, and, and I guess the broader, you know, uh, community of, of people you represent? Um, boy, if I had a nickel for that answer, if I had a a lockdown on that one, I'd be making a lot more money. But um, (laughs) I think, you know, you'd brought up lobbying and legislation. We do. um, That is part of my job, and we do have a a a contracting uh, consulting company that helps us with the lobbying, um, top shelf lobby. But um, we. We, we, we try really hard to watch the legislation because things get into a slippery slope pretty quick. And, you know, you have these, you have these licenses for a reason, and it is to protect the community and the water system and, you know, pollution. And there's, you know, you can go on and on about the things that, that the contractors are looking to protect. But our association, one of our main goals is to make sure that the legislators not only understand what contractors do and not just HVAC and plumbing. I mean, we band, we band together with a lot of other associations um, and make sure that we're, you know, kind of watching each other's backs because, you know, tax on tax on service. That's been an issue for the last, you know, five years. Um, we've got you know, you have these little, these bills that pop up that legislators put out there that, you know, they think that are not that big of a deal. But once you start digging into them, like having people licensed to do cross-connection, I don't know what your background is or if you know very much about that, but cross-connection is where if you have a hose in your, in your backyard and your pool, and for some reason, the main breaks, you know, down the down the line from you and it causes a pullback of all the water well a cross connection will help not allow the water from your dirty pool to get pulled into the drinking water that we all use so yeah so there's a lot of things that plumbers and hvac contractors do and are licensed to do that the general public doesn't understand unless they've had an issue with it what they do understand is they're under a bull water advisory because somebody didn't do their job. You know, granite, granted a water main breaks and they're old and infrastructure's getting old and that's one thing. But if you have some, some pollutant because a backflow device wasn't installed properly, then you've got problems. And we're right here in the middle of horse country and there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of water moved around. There's a lot of, there's a lot of possibilities there. You know, I think the Toyota plant has, I think I was told 2,200 cross-connection devices. Wow. In their plant. So there, there's a lot of things that the general public doesn't know about and they don't care about until it affects them. And that is the job of the plumber and HVAC is to make sure that the health of this Commonwealth is protected. And to do that protection, you've got to be looking at all avenues. You got to watch, you know, local governments. You got to watch the state government, and you've got to be proactive to make sure that um, 
you know, laws are passed and, and, and different, you know, departments do different things. And, you know, we got to kind of have a, a pulse to make sure that, that we're not getting laws changed. Um, just, you know, for a specific, you know, reason, and they're not knowingly changing things that could jeopardize the health of the Commonwealth. And, these are things that you don't know if you don't know them. So, you know, that's, that's part of our job is to not only help our contractors, but make sure that the, um, make sure that the, the, the health of the Commonwealth is protected. So let me ask you, um, you know, as far as, um, uh, you know, the, the, the people you represent, what, what really, I mean, and, and I, this kind of, this is an off, topic question but i'm just thinking i'm a mechanical contractor and um why would i want to be part of your association i'm i know you probably have said this a thousand times but i always like to ask that question because that's a question as a business owner i have to ask you know why do i want to sure. be part of a, an association um so what would your be your answer to that the, I always get the, what's going to be my ROI on this? That's, that's the question <laughs> I usually get. What's my ROI? And that's when I'm like, uh Oh, now, now, now I've gotten to the top dog because they want to know <laughs> the answer. So, um, I have, it's a multi, it's a multi-pronged answer. So, um, as far as your business is concerned, the association is, uh, one of seven associations that created the, uh, AGC, workers comp um self-insured fund it's one of it is the largest workers comp fund in the state of kentucky and you have to be a member of one of the seven associations to be in it and it's only for construction so that's the one have the best rates best service in the state i'm on the board i know I'll, i can preach that all day long so that's one we also with with a group of other associations created the KCIT, which is the Kentucky Construction Industry Trust, which is a uh, health insurance group. All of us band together. And so that buying power gets us the best rates in the state. This year we renewed at 4%. So those two items are the are the top two. Um, we also have um, retirement we have a 401k plan that flies under the association's umbrella that you don't have to pay for that expensive 5500 we take care of all the administrative fees i think the last time i averaged it out it's about 22 dollars a year per employee to be to have a 401k so you know there's lots of perks like that we we help with um payroll we have a payroll company um that we that we have um that we promote the the biggest thing I think that I would put on top of that pile if you're want to push the financials to the side, the networking that you get being in our association is top notch. You come together with your peers. You can have conversations with them. But the better thing is, is you can have conversations with your peers that don't compete with you. So where we're a statewide organization, we come together. And in February, we'll have our convention in Louisville. Everybody from across the state will come there and it'll be the owners and the, you know, the planners. And you can have conversations with a guy that runs a company just like yours, but he's out of Eastern Kentucky. So you're really not competing with him, mm -hmm. but, but you have that 
same business strategy, you have that same employee issues, you have, you know, the same problems with fleet management or, you know, call center problems or, you know, just whatever. And it's nice to be able to sit down and have a conversation with your peers that don't directly uh, compete with you. The other thing is, is, you know, um, the association provides an awesome network. It, one thing I've really, it's always been there, but it came more so during COVID. Um, a lot of the contractors, you know, they know each other. They, they're, they're, they've got a gentleman's agreement that they kind of stay in their own lane and don't try to poach each other's employees or their customers. But, you know, I've had a lot of companies during COVID that, you know, had 25 guy crews and, and, you know, 20 of them were locked down with COVID or, you know, tested positive and they couldn't come on the job site. And I've had companies step up and say, look, I'm going to lose my business if I don't try to find somebody. And I've had other companies say, hey, I got a couple five extra guys I can loan you for a couple weeks. And, you know, that's that cross ability to, um, you know, to put your hand out. I've had contractors, especially, you know, with the tornadoes in Western Kentucky, go to Western Kentucky and, you know, help those contractors if they need um, service trucks or if they need um, a bobcat or, you know, if they need pipe. I've had contractors go down there and help these guys out for a week just to try to get their buildings set back up and take them supplies they need. So it it's a financial thing, but it's also you know, camaraderie and that ability to, you know, by helping your partner and your contractor, your, your fellow competitors take a step up, you help yourself up. And it just, you know, raises the level of professionalism that, you know, I've, I've not ever seen in, in other associations. Well, you know, you bring up a, a good point about, and I, I think people sometimes don't put a lot of value in relationships, but the fact is, is that's that's what will help you when you get in trouble. And unfortunately, you're going to get in trouble sooner or later in business, and especially in construction. <laughs> so it's oh, good yeah. to have a it's good to have a group of friends around you that you can lean on. And uh, um, yeah, I can't say that enough. I I'm part of several different associations, and I can't say how valuable. When I I guess when I was younger, I didn't see the value as much as uh, I do today, but. Um, you know, and I'm, I want to ask you a few questions to kind of wrap this up, kind of around your role with NAWIC and, um, uh, you know, and kind of, and the reason I want to bring that up is because I'm a, I'm a major advocate um, for women in construction. And one of the reasons was is because I, the sharpest project manager I ever worked with was a female and um, she just had a way, her communication skills had a way of being far superior to other project managers I had. And through my time in the, you know, in the world of construction, when I've had an opportunity to hire a woman and she, when she works with me, I'm amazed, you know, cause men and women inherently have different strength and weaknesses. I mean, and I, I'm not being a male chauvinist pig here. I'm actually being a, an advocate, but I think women, women know how to, to perceive and and have empathy and those type of things that a lot of men don't have. So um, I remember when first time I ever had a, a woman in a management system on a job, nobody really knew how, I mean, she could talk to anybody, get anybody to, to uh, listen to her. 
Um, and the reason being is because they hadn't dealt with a lot of women in construction. And then it was a different type of person too. Like Diana Hagen uh, works with me at ACE. I don't know if you know Diana. She was part yeah, of Yeah, she was the president. Yeah, she was a president. Um, yeah, I was on the board when she was president. Yes. And and, um, and she's a great example. I talk when you talk, talk about a stellar performer, she is a stellar performer. Uh, she won the National AGC Scholarship when she was going through my first couple of years I taught at Eastern. And she just, uh, you know, and so I've had many discussions with her, like, why is only 7% of all the construction mm-hmm. women? You know, why is that? Why can't we, you know, and I understand the old days about, you know, maybe or something that's more, uh, labor intensive maybe some someone wouldn't, wouldn't be attracted to that but what's your what's your take on you know on that in general what do you think is you know the things that are holding that number down because uh, they're extremely underrepresentative in construction i i think we're finally starting to turn away from the the Oh, oh, sweetie, you know, you're just a little girl. You don't need to be out there you know, on that job site. I, I think we really are trying, starting to see the value in women on job sites. I, th- I think, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think it was just, you know, women were pigeonholed to do certain things. And now that, that the generations have kind of turned over, if you will, and, you know, women are doing everything now. Um, I just I, I think it's just a a something that was, you know, ingrained. If you ask my, my dad's 80 years old, if you ask him 50 years ago it, about women in construction, he would have, thought, you know, they they must have, you know, they must have done something wrong to have to work outside <laughs> with the men. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just that mindset. My dad was a state trooper for 40 years. There was one woman state trooper, you know, until probably five years, you know, but it's, I think it's just a generation, a generation issue. And I think we finally turned that corner where women are seeing that not only can they be in the construction field, but they can excel in the construction field. And um, I just, I, I think it's something that we need to get out there. And, you know, unfortunately, we just have got to promote it and, spotlight you know people like diana that that that, you know i'm sure you could point to many many people that own or work in the construction field that are very successful that are women and i i think it's just a mindset that you know that we haven't promoted well to young females and you know and and it's some companies get it you know um, mm-hmm. cause I've seen, cause I, I was in charge and still, and still run the co-op program for EKU and some companies finally get it, you know? Um, <laughs> but I do think that, uh, I think it's more large and mid-sized companies than it is smaller companies. And the funny thing is, is that you want to have somebody come and really impact your business, have hire somebody that comes into an, a small business and, you want to talk about a high impact, you know, there you go, you know, so, but yeah, I think you're right. It, it has gotten much better. I, I don't, I, I actually remember the first time I ever saw a tradesperson on a project site. That was a woman. That was the first. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, and the funny thing we're talking because it was an HVAC tech, 
the yeah. first that was the first woman I I saw on a a job site uh, outside of being in the military, and uh, at at I hate to say it, but at first I was kind of taken back a little bit because it's not what you expect, but given a little bit of time on the job because that was a two year long job, it was really the rest of it kind of got thrown out the window. You know I. Yeah. I I uh, um, and I'm glad for that. I'm. It, it's amazing what what having two daughters will do to your perspective. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You I know? completely agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing that you know, just leading down that road is um, when we go to career fairs and we do. Um, I'm on the board for the K4C, which is the Kentucky Career Council. Um, mm-hmm. We have an event in Shelbyville every year, um, and we have about a great event, by the way. Okay, great. You've been to it. So yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's all hands on and it's all, you know, come out and and see all, all the things you can do. You don't have to just, you know, you know, you don't have to just build houses. You can be a Mason, you can be a welder, you can be, you know, you can, you know, do whatever you want in the career field. I, I think people forget, they get pigeonholed into, um, well, construction, they just do, they just build box buildings or they just do this well when you walk into the building if you'll just take a second and look around you know who did the beautiful ironwork for the these beautiful stairs that go up and you know who did this intricate woodworking like you said that your your grandfather was a was a carpenter I mean I don't if people will stop and just think about all the things that go into building anything there are so many jobs within 10 feet of you right there who laid this beautiful tile floor? I mean, you know, I'm, I don't think people really think who engineered this giant window out here so it would keep the heat in, but he keep the afternoon sunlight from making this room be 300 degrees. I mean, I just, um, I, when we go to career fairs, we try to show everybody that there are so many different opportunities to do. Now, granted, I'm selfish because I want them to be plumbers and HVAC guys, but you know, whatever they want to do. I mean, the world is out there. Um, and, you know, if they just, you know, a little bit of education goes a long way. We started, we built, we bought a building in August and um, uh, revamped it so we could move our HVAC and plumbing um, school into a site that we had control over. And so, you know, we're, we're working on that. And it's just funny. You talk to people and they're like, wait, what? That's where I, I, I've lived here my whole life and didn't know you all were there. And, you know, it's just, it's just the way you market. And if I had, you know, a couple million dollars and I could, you know, advertise like <laughs> all the universities do, then we might, yes. we might be able to, we might be able to turn the tide a little bit. You, need, you guys need a football team. That's the that's the key. Or basketball. Uh, we need yeah. We need somebody to go to a bowl game and wear our jersey that says uh, has our name on it or something. There's, I'm not sure. A, yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth there. So yeah. Yeah. let's uh, let's uh, let's sum it up with two two things. First of all, <coughs> tell me about you personally and about maybe your organization, some of the successes and some of the failures you guys have had, and. Uh, you know, um, cause I think we can learn a lot from those. Oh, um, I guess me personally, um, working, um, to get my, my CAE certification was my, 
f failure and accomplishment because it, you know, had to take it uh, once or twice to pass it because it was not an easy test. So uh, that was that was that was something that I really worked hard for. And um, my God bless my sweet husband. He was very patient with all the studying. So that, that, I guess that was, that was my personal accomplishment. And that led into, you know, I had to study laws of association and how to manage and run. And, you know, there were levels, lots of levels to that. And so that opened my eyes to how much, how many different, areas that you need to focus on to make sure your association's doing everything that they want to because um, you know you can put a mission and a vision statement on everything that moves but if you don't actually read it and try to work toward it then it's just words so that's something that I, um, I, I strive to work for for our association and then as far as the association or as far as failures for the association I think we we try really hard to educate and we created a foundation about five years ago to try to bring more people into the trades but it's an accomplishment and a failure too because you know I got 12 students you know I, I need you know if I could churn out about a hundred students ever every year then my members might be a little happier about the workforce but it's just, it's so hard to fight that stigma of, oh, you don't want to work outside or, oh, you really want to work for a construction company or, so that's, I think those are accomplishments and failures kind of all in the same breath. So now we're going to head to the speed round and the speed round is I'm going to ask you to judge based on, you know, your perspective, one to 10, one being the least important, one being the most important, and they can all be tens. So we have eight different topics and uh, on a one to 10 basis, how important do you think scheduling is? 10 being the most important. Scheduling? Yes, Oh, I'd say 10. I, I would definitely say 10. What about estimating? Mm, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's pretty important. You messed that up and that's, that's a huge financial problem. So I'd say, I'd say a nine. Contract. Now we have two different ones. We have the paper contract and then we have contract administration, the actual execution of that contract. So what would you rate those two? Oh, I'd say those both be a 10 because if the contract's bad, then the work's bad and vice versa design we we don't I, I we i would think design would be an eight or a nine uh accounting oh definitely a 10 if you don't have your numbers straight buddy you're in big big trouble uh selling work or better known in construction as business development I'd say that'd be a nine, nine or a 10. Yes, most definitely. And last but not least, and I'm interested in your perspective on this being part of NAWIC, leadership. Oh, definitely a 10. Yeah, yeah, definitely a 10. Leadership, if you don't have leadership in all facets of your organization, then you're, you're going to struggle to get anything completed or done on time, on schedule, on budget. 
Well, I want to thank you for meeting with you today. I had there's a lot of good points, a lot of a lot of things you brought up. I I wasn't even thinking about. I got to learn a lot about your organization, so did our listeners, and about you personally. I didn't realize you guys were, um, uh, you know, we probably know a lot of the same people, like uh, Richard Vincent from AGC, you know. And so, yeah, Richard. Yeah, Richard and I, um, we have. Um, we we meet weekly during session to make sure nobody's trying to sneak anything in on us and uh, <laughs> and I don't know if you know Anita Sanford with the Home Builders the yes. three of us are the three of us are kind of partners in crime if you will and we we kind of help each other to help each other so yeah yeah we all we all three have known each other for quite some time and it's um it's a it's a great to be that's when I was talking about the camaraderie between the associations you know you got to you gotta you gotta reach out and and have those conversations with other people in different facets of the of the construction field so you can make sure that you know nobody's doing anything crazy and making sure we're all kind of rowing the boat in the same direction which we usually all are well great i uh you know like i do with all my lists all my uh guests i always give them a chance to have the last word if you wanted to make any other comments or any other pitches or anything you'd like to say this is your time well, uh, you know, our our association has uh, been around a really long time and, and we work really hard to make sure that we take care of our membership. And so uh, we like to try. Uh, I personally um, am very proud of the things that our association does and um, and we're striving to try to bring more workforce to to our to our group and. Uh, I appreciate you having me on today. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Lynn. And join us next week for another edition of Connects. Mm -hmm.